0: Hello and welcome back to the Couch GM Podcast. My name is Ryan Parker and I'm joined as always by Matt Chamberlain for a NBA Finals special edition of the Couch GM Podcast. How you doing, Matt? Oh, uh, I'm, I'm hype right now. That was a good game one. It, oh, it was an excellent game one. I don't think the NBA could have asked for anything more. How lively Toronto was. People lined up five hours early to get into Jurassic Park. I love and then it the actual basketball game I love it it was it was a good game. Oak it was Canada. a fun fun up and down game. Toronto is playing a dangerous game though and we'll yeah get, we'll get into that later um, but before we get into that, remember to follow us on Twitter at NBA Couch uh, Matt's on summer break right now, so he's going to be dominating twitter cuz he's going to get all over it. He's going to get all I have it. nothing else to do. <laughs> uh that's why we're recording this podcast on Thursday night at 11:04 p.m. <laughs> it's way past my bedtime. It's past my bedtime too. Uh remember to find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or Stitcher uh and leave us a review or a rating. We'd greatly appreciate it. No one has done it yet. So I I mean like I haven't even done it. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm not, going to. You don't vote for yourself. You're not a self-promoter. No, I'm gonna give us five stars. Oh, okay. You gotta gotta get you know start the grind somehow. <laughs> Matt, what happened in episode 29 that people should know about? So, recapping real quick, because I know it's been a little bit because we uh, we were both in Colorado, so we we missed this past weekend. But when we were on here last, we talked about how the Pelicans won the draft lottery, along with some other teams winning and losing. The impact of the lottery, the new system on future blockbuster trades and Ryan's thought of the week. My thought of the week was how the trailblazers showed why big men are easily replaceable. I mean, we just thrown Myers Leonard into ball games <laughs> and like it didn't look bad. Now the series didn't end that well for the blazers, but there were bigger problems in Myers Leonard. We also talked about, uh, some conference final updates, uh, a couple games in at the time. Golden state was doing golden state things, but man, Toronto was looked dead in the water, and that's not how it ended up. Man, I talked some hot trash on Toronto. <laughs> I, like I don't know, like Paul Pierce talked trash, and like they went four zero, and I yeah. like followed up with that, and they went four zero. Man, Paul Pierce. So in our game of the week, again we we went on the same game, game four of that Raptors Bucks series. With the last time we had, we knew it was two one Bucks. Game 4 being at Toronto though. My pick was Raptors 106, Bucks 97. Ryan's pick was Bucks 102, Raptors 98. So I had the Bucks winning by 9. Ryan or no, I had the Raptors winning by 9. Ryan had the Bucks winning by 4. It turned out Toronto came in and and gave Milwaukee the business. 120 to 102, 18 point decisive victory. Yeah, Kawhi was like, nah, this ain't ain't happening. Everyone talking about Giannis being the MVP, being the best player in the series. Kawhi said, hold my—I don't know what Kawhi (laughs) drinks. I feel like he drinks, like, cranberry juice or something. Hold my cranberry juice and just went out and and dominates. Yeah. I mean, hold my, like, orange Gatorade because he's going to the (laughs) Knicks. I don't know. (laughs) But, yeah, what an incredible, like, series run from Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, just put him on his back and limping him Limp into him. the NBA Finals. So, Game 4 happened, and then the rest of that series happened, and we'll talk about Toronto a little more and what all went right or or wrong for Milwaukee in a little bit. But we'll get to the news first, because there's been a lot going on in the NBA yeah, some teams got restless, I feel like. Like, we haven't played, we haven't done anything important in the news cycle. Let's, uh, let's get back into it. Um, so, if you've missed all of this, we'll recap it really quick for you. Terry Stotts gets an extension as Blazer head coach through uh, the 2021 20, season through the 2022 season. Um, a good hire? Good extension? Yeah. I, they just added a couple years onto this deal. Again, coaches don't like being in the last year of the deal while coaching. So they tacked on an extra couple of years. The GM also got an extra couple of years. Probably probably a good thing. Terry Stotts done well. I mean, he got that team. To the, the West, Western Conference Finals? Yeah. Won in Game 7 on the road? And without Nurk and other injuries. I mean, they did as much as they could. I mean, like, he's definitely maximized that team. He has. I mean, the problem's not Terry Stotts. Right. So. I think, that, is that Names last year in his contract, too? Um... Cause he just got an, ex- or is he up for? No, an I exchange? think he's. Up. McCollum uh, got an extension. I think. Mm, I feel like that could be like a hard cap for them. That season. if we don't have something by then, then we out. We don't. Yeah, we have. This is our rebuilding, like ceiling. I don't know. Whatever that is. Um, speaking of other coaches, Ryan Saunders gets promoted from interim head coach to full time head coach. I love it. I love this hire. Yeah, he really seemed to connect with that team. Hopefully, if him and Cat can get on the same page. Maybe we can actually see start seeing full-blown cat. You know, he did this crazy thing where he put the ball in Carl Anthony Towns' hand and said do things. <laughs> man, it's incredible what happens when you give that kind of an offensive talent the ball. It's crazy. Who knew? It's like he would, took a page out of uh, Mike Malone's playbook. Yep. Even if your best man's your big man. Just give him the ball. Give him the ball. Um in other sad news Cavs owner Dan Gilbert suffers a stroke but appears to be recovering fine now um man that's rough that is and you always wonder like he's so involved with that team like would how things would drastically change for that franchise but even though Dan Gilbert's done some things in his career as Cavs owner some things might agree with some things might not I still hope for him being okay he's made that franchise relevant He's ma- he's got them into the publicity that's for sure whether it's good or bad, he's made it relevant, which is. He will talk about the Cavs on some level. That's saying something. Um, in other front office news, David Griffin meets with Anthony Davis and his agent, uh, Rich Paul, um, but uh, reporting from Shams, I believe, on Twitter. Uh, no change in trade demand. Yeah. I wouldn't. I you know it's one of those, you wouldn't expect anything just after one meeting. But, you know, the fact that AD was willing to take the meeting, I think, is important still. Important note there, meeting was in L.A. Yeah, well. (laughs) So if that says anything. uh, Which Paul made them come to him. Yeah. I mean, like, maybe, I think they could maybe convince them. I mean, they have no reason to train him right now. I guess. It depends on, I mean, it just totally depends on the perspective of what you want out of this. right. Right. And there's a lot of time between now and free agency or whenever stuff starts going down. Mm-hmm. Um, more front office news. Daryl Morey threatens to trade everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, like, we're hearing all these Chris Paul potential trades now that he's still out there on the chopping block. Like, Clint Capella's out there. Like, he's like, screw it. Just whoever. Make this team better. I love it. I mean, like, you got to do that at some point. Like, there's no – like, we talk about Kevin Durant leaving – there's no real guarantee he's leaving Golden State. I mean, he could stay, and then, what, you'd just have the same old thing running back over and over again? A year older, Chris Paul. How's that working out? It's not. Exactly. Uh, this is, I think, the story of the week. It is this Lakers story written by Baxter Holmes. Um if you haven't missed it, you really need to read it. Uh, Rob Blink and Magic Johnson publicly go back and forth. And then the ESPN article um, kind of goes back, gives us into some light, shed some light on, like, just the dumpster fire the Lakers are right now. And my immediate thought after reading that Baxter Holmes story from ESPN is, like, how much did Kobe cover up all this crap? Oh, my gosh. Like, well, and, and Kobe was only there for a short span of all of this. You know, like since Genie took over. But even like Kobe left and then we really started getting the Magic Johnson, Rob Polinka era. So it's like, yeah, Kobe made this franchise probably a little better than it should have been. But also Genie wasn't really in charge at the time. So there's some commonalities here with people still there and crap going wrong. I don't know. Just the draft story though is still what stuck out to me the most. Like the fact that the team decided to, one, go against their scouts and their big board and draft Mo Wagner over Omari Spellman. Two, that Magic Johnson and Rob Palenco had a separate war room from everyone else like because they didn't trust them. And three, then they blamed Josh Hart for the pick because they said Josh Hart criticized omari spellman's work ethic and josh hart's like no i didn't why would you listen (laughs) to me about this anyway (laughs) because i'm a six man (laughs) oh you don't trust your employees you don't follow your word with your big board and then you blame a player who is an irrelevant player in the grand scheme of the lakers for the move like that's just so good my second thought after this is how in the world does anybody in that front office still have a job Oh, I know, right? Like, how does Rob Polinka still have a job? Like, this week. And and not even, like, just that. Like, they decided, like, we're not going to hire anyone to re- replace Magic and be Rob's boss. Like, we're just going to give Rob the responsibilities. Like, Rob is just in charge. Ugh. That's incredible. Is, it's so bad. And, like, uh, listening to Baxter Holmes, like, talk about the story after the fact, there was some stuff he didn't even publish. They couldn't, like hundred percent line, and I feel like there's just so much more to the story oh, that we're not is. not getting, um, and it's like the dysfunction. It, like I don't, like you have LeBron James. Like you need to figure this out sooner rather yeah. than later. And we talk about it all the time on this podcast too. Is like winning solves a lot, and the Lakers didn't yeah. do a whole bunch of that this this season. But I don't know. It, 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 if I'm a free agent, I'm not touching the yeah. Lakers with the 10-foot pole. Well, it's like, these guys hear this. Like, they have to. Like, they hear Rich Rich Paul gets special treatment from the Lakers because he's LeBron's agent. Kind of makes sense, but, like, overly special yeah. treatment. Like, he gets meeting with Adam Silver type of Oof. treatment. Like, he gets spots on the team charter plane Kind of, kind of advanced love from the Lakers. And why should any other agent be like, why should my client and I go there right. and be belittled underneath LeBron and them whenever LeBron might not be the best player on that team next year if KD or someone of that stature were to come over? Yeah, I mean, that's a great or question. Or most of the guys you want to come over. I mean, like think about all the big sport franchises. The Lakers are top three. Oh, for sure. and They're the most recognizable out of pretty much any NBA franchise like wh- what are you doing like you have the best play like the best player in the sport in the most recon- recognizable franchise and you just can't like get it together yeah it's like all the limelight and publicity that comes with la and nba twitter and ev- all of that just it's completely backfiring it's bad it's really bad matt it's a bad situation not good, not good. um And free agency could expose that even more. But we'll have to wait and see on that one. Um, Continuing in front office, dumpster fires. Tim Connolly turns down the Wizards front office opening, staying in Denver. Is this like worst case scenario? Like how have they not filled that position here? So this job's been open for eight weeks. Okay. Eight weeks. There's 30 of these jobs, by the way. They waited six and a half weeks because they wanted Tim Connolly. Like, they didn't interview anyone in that six and a half weeks. They didn't, like, they, they honestly, from all the reporting I've seen, did not have a backup plan. Oh, jeez. Like, they didn't even, they didn't do it. They are like, we're just getting Tim Connolly, He's from the area, Washington guy. We're going to get him. And we're going to offer him a lot of money. And Tim Connolly went and did the interview. And it's like, no. And he went back to Denver. <laughs> and, and Washington's like... What? (laughs) Wait, wait, you're supposed to say yes. (laughs) And, like, they legit haven't had a backup plan. Like, they have someone in the interim right now, but, like, I feel like if you wanted him to be your GM, you would have just made him your GM. You know, it's really funny. There's a parallel between that and Kevin Durant coming to Washington. Like, there were so many rumors about Kevin Durant going to Washington, like, leading up to Katie's first free agency uh, back when he was with the Thunder. And, like, the the Wizards didn't get him, and they're like, Uh, We have no other plans. We have John Wall still, right? Yeah, like, it's like that was their free agency. This was like their hire. And like the guy just like said, told him no. Like, I don't like your job. (laughs) Like, I don't want this job. Like, I don't like your franchise. And like, they were stunned. And it's like to us, it makes complete sense why you would pick this Denver team over this Washington team. But to Washington, it doesn't make sense. And that's the problem. As much as anything, that's the problem. I mean, you talked about this, I think, like, three or four pods ago when uh, it was your thought of the week is, like, what's the best GM job opening right now? And I think it was, at the time, Suns, Pelicans, Wizards, if I'm not mistaken. And I think we both agreed the Wizards was definitely the worst. The least of these, for sure, yeah. And it's just the John Wall contract. Bradley Beal seems generally unhappy, like, that they just can't get their stuff together you just had this Otto Porter kind of debacle going on. You have Dwight Howard on your franchise. Jan Mahimi's making $15 million. And you know, you, uh, I can't figure out this coaching situation. Scott Brooks like has not been empowered, really, to be the coach there. You know, I would do the job for like $150,000 a year. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> I mean... Like, I don't know at much. At this point, like, they may not have many options, so... Matt, you can come with me. All right, cool. Y- you can be the assistant GM. No, I'm going to promote assistant you to... Assistant G- to the GM? <laughs> assistant to the GM. Absolutely. Uh, and last bit of news here. This may be the most exciting for me, is that I don't have to stay up till midnight. Uh, actually, <laughs> I'll probably stay up till midnight that night. Free agency gets bumped up six hours to June 30th at 6 p.m. Eastern. Uh, so no more midnight start. But, I mean, like, stuff's going to go down. Yeah. I part of me is like thank god just for the sake of sleep but part of me is like you know i loved like the hard midnight start just cause yeah it's like there was something fun about it like at 1201 like somehow 18 players have already negotiated it trevor Rees is <laughs> yeah. a 50 million dollar like, contract like i just on some level i love it um but yeah i think it's probably a good thing though it kind of increases overall fan viewership not just the you and eyes of the world staying up till midnight i mean you gotta think i think this was mentioned like the the espn's yeah the, like talks show oh, like can... are, are vying for this because like now you can create shows around this yeah you can do a free agent special around this not just talking about who might be going where like you can just like literally do a perfect primetime show for this now and it's perfect because like what other sports going on in june 30th baseball yeah no one's paying exactly. attention to that uh so it, i think it's good it's a smart move True like shrewd, shrewd move Matt, let's talk about our thought of the week. It's really been thought of two weeks, but why don't you go ahead and get us started? So, focusing on the Bucs, there's been a lot of talk about how Malcolm Brogdon and Chris Middleton are max guys this offseason. But, did these playoffs ultimately help them or hurt them? Because in moments, I really liked what I saw of Chris Middleton. But, as we'll talk about in a little bit, he did not come up clutch. Like in the back half of that Eastern Conference Finals. If you're paying a guy a max, you got you can't be falling asleep at the wheel at the end of the Eastern Conference Finals. Malcolm Brogdon, he was hurt a little. They kind of had to integrate him back in. He, It's like he does nothing spectacular. He's just good at everything. And it, that showed for a lot of the playoffs. But again, is that a max guy? Does that make both of them more attainable for Milwaukee? Does that mean Milwaukee's going to get into some bad contracts or some other teams are going to get into some bad contracts? Dallas, in particular, seems to be connected to both of these guys. I don't know. Just I don't know if these playoffs really helped either of these guys. It didn't show off any of Brogdon's real strengths, I don't think. And Middleton didn't seem to be able to rise to the occasion. I see your point. However... And I keep making fun of them, but the New York Knicks have, like, what, $80 million in cap? Something like that. And if they strike out on, like, two dudes, like, who says they don't go buck wild and just, like, Mm. (laughs) offer a max to one? I mean, like, that's the thing is, like, these guys are wings, and, like, we talk about needing wings or needing guards to win games. Yeah. I mean, I thought Brogdon did a really nice job in the Eastern Conference Finals. Not, like, spectacular, Again, he's just, like, a incredibly solid eighteen seven and 5 in that Eastern Conference Finals. This is what it felt like he was doing, like, every game. Yeah. And, like, that's worth something, for sure. I just don't know if it's worth a it max. Because I don't know how many wins Malcolm Brogdon's really getting you throughout the regular season or even the postseason. He might keep you in some games, for sure. But I don't know. It, to me, like, the max contract, like, has become... Almost diminished, and like it's like standing, yeah. Like its pedigree, yeah. So you're right. Like one of these guys at least probably will still get that max, but to me, like that max means like you gotta show up in the biggest max moments, yeah. And I don't think either of them really, really did. That's a good point. Um, it, it's fascinating. Like those guys, I think like through the first. Two series in that playoffs probably helped them, but like those, you're right, those last four games were kind of tough to watch for both those guys just because they were kind of doing the Kyle Lowry of past seasons, like diminishing in the spotlight. But like, that's their first time there, so I don't know, like, how much weight do you put into that? How much I don't know, but you make a point, like, if you're gonna take up a max slot you can't be doing that you can't and that's what so many people criticizing kyle lowry and the raptors of why are you paying him 30 million dollars a year to not show up until apparently a, a couple of sporadic games eight playoff runs later <laughs> you know yeah yeah that's a good point it's tough um my thought of the week is around the bucks too so, my question, or my thought is, how should we measure success in the NBA? Because the Bucks season was an obvious success, but they didn't win a championship. They have no hardware. Number one overall team in terms of record. 60 wins. was say. a very good season. First time the Bucks have made... Like, there's a lot of firsts for this team, right? Yeah. Like Giannis's first series win. They kind of ex- excised those demons yeah. of beating Boston. They did. Um, got to the Eastern Conference Finals. for like the first time in like 18 years. Yeah, since like the Ray Allen days. Probably getting an MVP out of the season as Probably. well. Maybe even a Coach of the Year also. Yeah, and and, and that's the thing is like, I, I think it it kind of goes hand in hand with expectations. I was when I was thinking about this thought of the week. It's like, how do I articulate this? And I think this is the best way to do it. But it's like our expectations for the kings was like what 10 wins maybe a little more Not like 20 <laughs> but yeah i mean but the, still their the season, season was success they didn't make the playoffs or do anything but like they hit like 39 wins basically doubled what everyone thought they would get and showed promise yeah and on the other hand like our teams the thunder and the celtics i think we both classify those seasons as disappointments very much so and, like, our expectations were different for those teams. But, like, their success was dependent on our expectations. Like, that yeah. could still be a successful season for both Boston. Like, the, the Thunder had two all-NBA players on their team. Yeah. Made it to the first round of the playoffs. A lot of teams don't make it to the first round. But you can ask the Kings and Suns how long they've wanted to yeah. make the playoffs. I don't know. It's just an interesting observation, I guess. I don't know if it, like, we'll ever have a definite answer to this, but I think it's something interesting to think about when you look at the NBA and expectations. If you're a top-four seed, championships are it. That's all. Right. That's like That's that's the thing. Like If the Golden State Warriors lose, I think this— Then it was a worthless fail- season. Yeah, yeah, failure. I don't know. It's just kind of an interesting perspective to think about. And I think the Bucks, like I said earlier, was an obvious success for them. Because I, in our predictions, I didn't have them top... I mean, I had them top four, but I wasn't expecting them to be this. You, you expected a competitive. Yeah. But not 60 wins, obviously. But, Matt, let's talk about all NBA teams. This is our first big topic of the week. These were released, and uh, there are some... Things on these NBA all NBA teams. Let's yeah. talk about it. So first team, we're we'll on them real quick. First team: Giannis, Harden, Curry, George, and Jokic. Second team: KD, Embiid, Kyrie, Kawhi, and Dame. Third team: Gobert, Blake Griffin, LeBron, Kemba, Russell Westbrook. Any issues with that, Ryan? So I'm going to say this, and I'm probably going to grind it next season when he wins MVP. But I don't think LeBron James should have been an all-NBA player this year. Yeah, he should have. And I say that, but then, like, who you replace him with? No one instantly comes to mind. And, like, you you can make the case for Ben Simmons. But man, he's not taking over. Man. He's not taking that over. this year. He, he was an all-star. He didn't... uh he doesn't take the place for LeBron for me. So, like, I say that, but I don't have a good replacement. And that kind of goes into an issue I have with the NBA, all NBA teams in general, is why are we doing position-locked awards still? Yeah. And, quote-unquote, positionless basketball. Like, I would have put Clay over LeBron instead of... Mm. No, I don't think I agree with that, but I can see the point. I think Clay was more deserving of an all-NBA spot than LeBron was this season. I don't know. I feel what did like- LeBron— what? Tell me tangibly, what did LeBron do this year? I can tell you. He ruined, like, five guys' like mental status. Was uh- that really his fault? Yes, it was his fault. I don't know about that. I think that's Maddie Johnson telling them to, to toughen up and say, like, I'll throw your name out in trade talks if I want to. I don't know. He not, he didn't play defense half the season. And I know sure. he was, he wasn't, he he was injured. He hasn't played that defense in four years. But if we're knocking Kawhi to second team, which I think he should have been first team instead of George. Again, that was for games missed as much as anything. Yeah, but if we're knocking games missed, like what did LeBron do in his game? Like what tangibly did he do for the Lakers this year? He averaged like 30 points, 10 rebounds, and 8 okay. assists. Okay, all right. Then Russell Westbrook should be first team then. Why? Because he averages a triple-double. So that's only, like, what, two better than I just said. And, again, that, that was rough stats off the top of my head. So that was two better. And, again, poor meeting of expectations. Didn't seem like a team player really out there. Just kind of loose stats. But good stats nonetheless. I don't know. I just, that were 13. That's what 13 looks like to me. Kemba, Russ, LeBron, Blake. I mean, he got the Pistons to the playoffs, but, I mean... Unfortunately, he was injured and i mean i don't think they're doing it anymore anyway and then okay go bear but it's cuz we have to pick centers so like we have to pick centers. like i don't know that seems like the third team is like guys like you're good you put up numbers but like it seemed kind of empty i don't know to me like bradley Beal's more deserving than clay and i'm not saying bradley Beal would have beat out LeBron. lebron i mean clay might get it just cuz it's like his team won what almost sixty games this year. But like to me like this is not a team award. Yeah. I mean that's a good point. I don't know. You put you put Clay on that team and that team wins fifteen games. On um, the Lakers? Yeah.
1: LeBron, uh, LeBron
0: gets them to like thirty five.
1: Okay, mean, Clay yeah. would him more.
0: Clay would get him to like twenty three. Yeah. Probably. And but he would be on the floor and playing defense. I don't care. You're winning 23 games. <laughs> you don't see Devin Booker on this list. Well, Devin Booker didn't start playing till like, March. I don't, Does, did, would he not do the same thing Clay would do? I do Put up some numbers on a bad team, look cool, and, like, that's it, though. That's the definition at, at of least, Devin Booker. At least LeBron is, like, getting this team to semi-relevancy, and when he was out, that's when the team tanked. Like, don't get me wrong, he probably should have come back and tried a little harder. Like, for sure, he probably should have played more defense throughout the year. I've been saying that for three years, though. So, like, that's nothing new. And he's still, like, the greatest player out there. And he's out there trying to drag Kyle Kuzma to, like, <laughs> get in the paint and play defense. Okay. I mean, you have a point. I don't know. Again, I'm just not putting not over if I If I had a—I mean, like, that's the thing. That's the thing I'm hung up on. I'm just not sure if LeBron deserved an all-NBA spot. Like, I'm still undecided about that. And the dude's awesome still. I just don't know if I would have voted for him. But then, your point at the end there is... Who do you vote for? Yeah. Like, who do you put in over him? Yeah. No one. I Man, it's, it's tougher than you think it is. It really is tougher than you think it is. When it comes to... Like, surprisingly, like, those first... What like four forwards? It gets really hard. It it does. It is tough to say. Like, you are better than this person. Oh really? Is is Paul George better than Kevin Durant? Uh, for uh, I was first surprised to team, see Paul George on first team over Kevin Durant. it's the defense, and I think some people took sympathy once they found out his injuries at the end of the year. Like the dude couldn't lift his shoulders. Yeah. Like either arm, but like, yeah, it seems a little overrated. You're right. I don't know. I was also surprised to see um Kyrie second team. I heard a lot of people just like not voting for him. Yeah, but again, who who is getting the nod over him? You you going to put Campbell up there? I'm not putting Russ up there. Yeah, exactly. So I also don't know if I would have voted for Russ. Again, who are you putting it, over it, him? Yeah, who are you putting over him? I mean, I mean probably that, Clay. That's where you get into Clay or, or Bradley Beal, but yeah. My only problem, as much as anything, is why does this impact Max contracts? Why does Clay Thompson all of a sudden get lost on $40 million because he didn't make 13? Like, that seems ridiculous to me. I'm, I am much more in favor of baseball style. Throw as much money as you want. If you wanna pay Clay Thompson $300 million, pay Clay Thompson $300 million. If you wanna pay him $100 million and hope he accepts, do it. That's more my philosophy is you, you pay however much you should want to pay. But why should this award, which is voted on by media and like people receive stupid votes in this, like why does this impact why someone might get $180 million versus $220 million? Why should this affect if someone's getting like a 60 50 40 million dollar difference in their contracts like that's just stupid to me uh, yeah media that, should not have that much power over that much amount of money in players lives yeah absolutely like that that's ridiculous because like i saw votes for some really i forgot who they were i know this, this is we're not talking about all defensive team but like it still goes to the point like james harden received two second team votes for all defensive team. Are you kidding me? What Houston Carmichael guy is going to get it, paycheck from the Houston exactly. Rockets? Exactly. Like, <laughs> like, that kind of stuff happens, though, like, all the time. And it's, like, there's a pretty significant drop-off in terms of vote totals between the last guy in, which was Kimba, and the first guy out, which was Bradley Beal. So, like, there it's not like it was just one or two people that decided this, but, like still why should this kind of thing impact the players contracts absolutely that's dumb i'm gonna give him some free advice to the utah jazz don't offer rudy gobert a max max, money a super max he's eligible for a super max contract could you imagine an extension on him when he's already like 26 and he's got a couple years still like that'd be the john wall contract like what does gobert expect Like, legitimately, does he expect to get that? No, he shouldn't. He should, I mean, he should hope for, like, a $30 million extension. I don't think, again, I don't think he's worth it. (gasps) But I'm saying, like, if he's making, like, 25 right now, and you're still getting voted all defense or all NBA or both in his case, like, you should be asking for it. Even if it's on a shorter-term deal, you should be asking for it. Absolutely. Got to make your money, you know? Like, these athletes. Get paid. Get paid. Absolutely. Now, if you're the Utah Jazz, you're saying, "Heck no!" Learn, learn to shoot a three first. <laughs> <laughs> learn to play some perimeter pick and roll defense, and we'll yes. talk. Uh, <laughs> so, talking about all defensive team, first team: what? Gobert, Giannis, PG, Marcus Smart, you and boy? Eric Bledsoe. Second team: Drew Holiday, Clay, Joel Embiid, Draymond Green, Kawhi Leonard. Again, Kawhi Leonard getting second team on this. I, I mean, I know it's for the games played thing. I know yeah. that's why. But, again, any problems with this? Not really. Um, I'm, again, it's like the position thing. Like, I would rather have Kawhi in the first team over, like, a Bledsoe or Marcus Smart. Like, just give me, like, four, yeah. five forwards on this yeah. first team. Like that's what it should be. I can see that. Um, my only problem with this is I'm one, I'm not an Eric Bledsoe guy. Y'all probably picked that up listening. I'm not an Eric Bledsoe <laughs> dude. Like he shouldn't have got that extension. It that's just my thing. I've never been an Eric Bledsoe fan. Um I would put Pat Beverly on this all defense team Ooh. over him. Pat Beverly was one of the next guards, um, with votes. And I would have I would literally just throw Bledsoe off this first or second team and then bump up drew to first team since assuming we have to keep the position idea going on here bump drew up to first team with marcus smart as the guards drew holiday not getting a lot of love man and that's this season. like i know it's in new orleans and the crap show that was anthony davis this year and just the drama that's gone on with them like he just didn't get that love but man that dude plays ridiculously hard even through all that like not many superstars, and he's a fringe superstar, would be playing as hard as he was playing through all that, knowing and this is a bad team. Start to finish, he was a really great player. I, like, if you flip Marcus Smart and Drew Holiday, like, they're pro- Drew Holiday. They're even worse. Yeah. Um, And New Orleans, and yeah, Boston's probably better. Also healthier, but... <laughs> yeah. Um, rookie first teams... Yeah. You want to list that off? So, first team, um, first two, no surprise, unanimous Luka Doncic, Trey Young. After that, though, um, pretty unanimous DeAndre Ayton, Triple J, Darren Jackson Jr., and Marvin Bagley. Second team, uh, SGA, Colin Sexton, Landry Shamit, Kevin Herter, and Mitchell Robinson, Knicks Center. In case you're not familiar with Mitchell Robinson, you didn't get to watch watching a lot of Knicks this year. Yeah, not a lot of people did. <laughs> didn't really care to. Uh, it was tough. Uh, interesting, in the first team, picks one through five. Yeah, just straight up. I mean, they weren't listed in the order of one through five, but yeah, it's the first five picks. How often does that happen? I don't, uh, like, I saw some, it was like since the 80s or something? Yeah, or 90s I mean, or something like that. I mean, that's just so rare that something like that would actually like come about. I mean, it's a testament. We did a redraft on, it. I don't know, several podcasts ago at this point. Um, but, like, the one through five, it's kind of hard to justify, like, like I think Donchitz is whatever. Like, we've been over that. We beat that dead horse. Number one. Number one. But, I mean, other than that, like, these players, these guys played well. Triple J played, like, half the season. Yeah. he. I mean, he got hurt, I want to say, after, like, game 50 or so. But like he still deserved that first team nod for sure. Bagley picked it up towards the end. Ayton the defense got slightly better. The offense was pretty good all year. Trey Young had that second half explosion. Doncic was great all year for a rookie. I mean, yeah, it's it's an accurate first team. Even the second team though, it's not what I would have guessed at the beginning of the year. Like I didn't see particularly Shamit, Herder, and Robinson. Like the guards I could have seen. Yep. But Landry Shamet playing well in Philly, getting shipped to the Clippers, and still playing well. Incredible. Like, starting for them in the playoffs. How about, I mean, the Clippers having two second-team dudes I know here. SGA and Landry Shamet. I mean, like, you have to feel... And that's after, like, they drafted also Jerome Robinson in the lottery, a guard out of Boston College. Like, they got some stuff going on there. Um, but, like, Kevin Herter, this, like... Tall white guy, red hair, out of Maryland to go into Atlanta <laughs> and like come out and just hucking threes. Like I love it. I, it's it's so weird. Is he like Clay two point somehow? That's the idea of him because like he kind of plays defense. Um, it's not bad actually. It he's the he's the Northeast version <laughs> of, of Clay. Clay Thompson. Yeah, but I mean he's a good player and he deserved this. I was kind of looking through like. Does Kevin Herter really deserve a spot? And I was looking through him. Yeah, he does. I mean, like, who else are you picking? Again, yeah, that's kind of the idea. Um, I don't feel like Kevin Knox really deserved it. He put out some stats, but really didn't deserve it. But his teammate Mitchell Robinson at the center spot did. Like, the dude averaged what felt like 10 blocks a game. Like, he, he may have fouled out of every single game, but at the same time, he was blocking a ton of shots. He looked like a really good role man. Yeah, he didn't go to college. He sat out for a year after high school, and so that's why he was a early second-round pick. And the Knicks took a gamble on him, knowing like there were some problems there. And, yeah, the offensive game is still really raw, but the defense is there. You just got to quit fouling, and he was a good player. It comes with time. Absolutely. Yeah. Who the heck is the forward, other forward on this team? That's why I'm wondering. Did... I- Are they listing Landry Shamit as a forward? There's no way. I mean, like, he's like six foot three, but he plays in a lot of three guard lineups. So, and he has all year, even like, even in Philly. I guess that makes sense. Like, if Ben Simmons is even classified as a guard, then it's him, Reddick Shamit. Even in LA, it'd be um, Pat Beverly, SGA, Shamit. They, they probably list Shamit as a forward. That's... Just just because of minutes played, like, the NBA will do that, like, where was your minutes played at, and therefore that's what your position is. So I guess why, like, Jimmy Butler might qualify as a guard and a forward sometimes, or Ben Simmons can qualify as both. This is... What? What? How can you pick and choose position? Again. This is dumb. Again, he actually deserved it, one. Two, there's no one else there I really felt good at, and three... Yeah, it seemed like a little... I, I kind of don't like that stretchiness of that rule, but, I mean, it, if he deserved it, I'm honestly cool with it. And yeah. he did. Yeah, that's a good point. I want to wrap back around the defensive team really quick. Oh, yeah. Uh, Who wins Defensive Player of the Year out of that first team? Because you would assume it comes from the first team, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's supposed to be... It's not a, it's supposed to be a postseason award. Right. It's supposed to be a regular season award. Um... Uh, To me, it's either Giannis or Gobert, personally. Um, Leaving Paul George off that. Can't end the way he did. Um, i probably lean Gobert, just because that's, like, what he does. Giannis, it's, like, when he feels like it. (laughs) And now, this year, like, Bud made him play defense a lot, for sure. But I never had more than, like, maybe a moment a game watching Giannis. I was like, there's the defensive player of the year. Gobert, I feel like it's, like, once a quarter. Yeah. Like, every time I watch him. I mean, it's weird because Gobert is, like, the anchor to that defense. While Giannis kind of, like, there's not a lot of good fours in the league, and, like, that's what he can play as. Chase down blocks. He gets switched a lot. So I see your point, and I probably agree with you on Gobert. It would be interesting, though, if Giannis won Defense Player of the Year and Like, and I'd be DP. fine with it, I think, if Giannis won, but I don't know. I don't know if i reward a guy for playing defense most of the time versus a guy who plays all the time and they were both first team. Yeah. I, at the end of the day, if defense really is an effort thing, then give it to the guy who plays defense literally all the time. That's a good point. Really good point. Let's get into actual basketball. Actual basketball games. Playoffs. Playoffs. We're talking about playoffs. That was pretty good. I yeah. I don't know. Um, let's recap the conference finals because we missed a whole bunch. Yeah. Man, how that series changed. Well, one of them. <laughs> so, uh, obviously, the Warriors swept the Blazers. The Raptors come back to win in six. So, real quick, our predictions. <laughs> I said Warriors in six, Raptors in seven. Ryan said Warriors in five, so he was more right about the Warriors there, but Bucks in seven. So although I was off on the games, but I still had the Raptors, so I'll take the dub there. Man, that's, a, I mean, like I was talking a whole bunch of trash <laughs> you on weren't. the Raptors. What are they gonna do? How are they gonna stop Giannis? Is, is Kyle Lowry just gonna keep sinking? It was, like, every narrative I talked about the Raptors, or, yeah, the Raptors, it, like, everything I should have been talking about in the Bucks It was like, where's Eric Bledsoe? <laughs> Man, where was Eric Bledsoe? Good God. There's a missing poster for him somewhere. Last yeah. seen in yeah. Boston. So, like, my two big notes that I had written down for the Bucks: one, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what's going on with Nick Miritich? Where are the adjustments here? You literally kept doing the same thing for four straight games. Like, you started Brogdon in the last couple but, like, the minutes played were, like, basically just the same all the way through for pretty much everyone, except Nick Mertage, who, like, you randomly just benched in the middle of Game 5 and just refused to play. Was that a front office, like, audibly saying, no thanks? I don't. I, I just don't get it. You you need a stretch to play Marcus Gasol off the floor, and you took off your best stretch big man. Honestly, I think he's a better stretch big man than Brook Lopez. Now, he doesn't give you as much in other areas as Brook, but, like he's a better stretch big man than Brooke is. Cause he shoots like 40% three and you couldn't use him to like play Marcus off the floor or like effectively. And I don't know if that's a Nick Miritich near problem or a blood problem or what it was, but like, what are you doing? I mean, my question is why not, why aren't you putting the ball in Giannis's hand more? Like it felt like he never yeah. had like brought the ball up and I get like Toronto was like blitzing him, but like, Dude's like seven foot with a seven foot wingspan. Yeah, like, he can make it happen. Like, he can make... Like, he's shown to be, like, pretty a decent passer. Like, it's not always pinpoint passes, but, like, he recognizes, oh, I'm getting triple teamed right now. I should pass the ball. Like, he recognizes that. But at the same time, those last three games, games four, five, and six, just saying, Giannis, Chris Milton, Eric Bledsoe, they got scared. Like, they they did. Yeah, I mean, uh, the thing is, like, I have a hard time with this. I agree with you, but, like, it's not like Giannis had terrible games. He just didn't have the superhuman, like, 35, uh, 13, and, like, 8 that he needed to have. Okay, let me give you games 4, 5, and 6 real quick. Giannis, 25, 10 rebounds, 5 assists. That's fine. Okay. Game 5, Giannis, 24, 6, and 6. Game 6, Giannis had 21 Eleven and four, but in those games, like he was, he wasn't able to attack the basket the way he was able to. When he got to the foul line, which he still got there quite a bit, not as much as in the first three games, but still quite a bit, shooting under fifty percent. Like shot seventeen of thirty-six from the free throw line in those last three games, or four games, I think. Like that's not that's awful. Like that's literally like Hackershack numbers. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, and you can't be doing that. You you like you can't he missed so many like big free throws yeah like that's a huge detriment turnovers were a problem per like getting into foul trouble was a problem for Giannis he fouled out like one of the games I think game four that was the, uh three that was the overtime game yeah yeah so like to me yes the stat lines overall look okay they're but they're not superstar stat lines they're not what the Bucks needed stat lines and at the end of the day, like, if you really look into him, you can see, like, this guy wasn't able to get to the basket and convert efficiently. He wasn't able to make him pay at the free throw line. Like, he was in games one and two. I mean, it, the Raptors just highlighted the thing the Bucks needed the most, and that was the second dude. And yeah. I think the sec- second dude was supposed to be Milton. Turns out it's not. <laughs> that, that's more the problem than Giannis. Yes. Like, yes, Giannis didn't have the super... Like, he didn't have A-plus games, but he had, like, B plus A minus type games, but yeah, the fact that Middleton just went kaput and yeah. Bledsoe even more so jumped off a cliff. Yeah, like that—that's the bigger problem. Yeah, I mean, like uh, the difference between one and two is greater than Toronto's one and two. Oh, for sure. And like that, I mean that—that's what it came down to. I think we talked about that on that uh, conference finals podcast we did. Is uh, you know the role players would be the difference, yeah, and they were. And in the last four games, Chris Milton averaged just under fifteen points a game. Can't be doing that, like, and just shooting. I mean, just an awful ball. Yeah, I, I mean, unless he was occasionally hitting that, like a three in game six. He he wasn't giving them much. He had one good game, I think it was like game four. But like, Chris Milton, you're, you're looking for thirty million a year. And yep. you're averaging less than 15 points a game in the four biggest games of your life. Like, who gets that kind of money for that kind of performance? Yeah, like no, no one does. You get paid like Eric Bledsoe did, but I don't think that's the way Chris Millson wants to get paid. No, absolutely not. Like, you gotta get that. You gotta get paid. You know, you gotta earn a pay though. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely right. Uh, like, uh, and on the flip side of the, that, like the Raptors were just unbelievable when it came to their defense yeah like what they did against Giannis and basically just forcing the ball out of his hands and just making life miserable for him whenever he came inside without fouling yeah as much i mean he gets to the free throw line just because of who he is and how he plays and the ridiculously long arms but they did such a better job in the last four games of that series of just making his life hard And saying you're not gonna beat us, you can get some points every now and again, but you're gonna have to kick this ball out, and someone's gonna have to hit a jump shot. We're gonna hit you every single time down the floor. Yeah, essentially is what they said. And like foul or not, whatever. Yeah, just like it's called or not. We're gonna be super physical with you, and by the fourth quarter of every game, he was exhausted. And maybe that's what contributes to the free throws. Yeah. But at the same time, like you, this is this is the playoffs. Like this is what. If you are the MVP, this is the time to be the MVP. Yep. And he he was close. And again, the MVP is a regular season award, but for the sake of that translating to the playoffs, he was close. But when Kawhi is doing just ridiculous things in this series, averaging 29.8 <laughs> points per game, 9.5 rebounds, 4.5 assists, 2.5 steals per game, and you're having really good but not – special games and Kawhi's just hitting dagger after dagger and also his right leg locking the best part pl- like the MVP down on the other yeah. end of the floor like just absolutely giving him nightmares like that's it that's what's going on and that's what ultimately like just pushed the the Raptors Kawhi's like I'm not letting this happen like he he heard all this talk of Giannis is the best player in the series he's an MVP the Bucks are up 2 and Kawhi just, nah. Not and, today. Not today. And just one game after another, one mid-range, long, <laughs> off the dribble two, after another, it was going in. The Bucks just, they they didn't have an answer to Kawhi at the end of the day. And even Kyle Lowry, at the last three games of the series, Kyle Lowry played the way Chris Middleton should have been playing the last three games. So props to Kyle Lowry. He stepped up man he was spectacular in that game six absolutely spectacular and it's not even just the scoring with him it's like he was doing everything else too like the little veteran things like on that uh kawaii oh yeah kind of boxing out Giannis. yeah i mean that was absolutely amazing like what a great move um and like i said i think after game one like you're that was your peak kyle lowry game and you didn't win and I was really wrong because that was not Pete Kyle Lowry in that series. Yeah, no. like he, him just doing everything else to a high level and still finding the right moments to attack the basket and and kind of force the Bucks' hand, like in that kind of a way, and then being able to kick out to Kawhi and other shooters, like that's exactly what Toronto needed, and Kyle Lowry was able to give that to him. Now, can you expect that going forward in the finals? I don't know, maybe not, but on some level to. To get it enough there at the end, it pushed him through. Like, he's a part of it. Whether I like Kyle Lowry as a player or for his contract or not, he, he played well. I mean, he's finally doing it. It yeah. only took him, what, seven like, playoff runs? But. Feels like it, yeah. Uh, but, like, I mean, they're doing it. And really, Pascal wasn't amazing. He, he looked like more Chris Milton. Yeah, level, and I mean, yeah, sure, he had good moments, but he looked more Chris Middleton level, and again, to be expected, 25 years old, really his first time at that level, but like you, you saw the spurts of why they still really believe in Pascal, and should, but ultimately it's it's Kawhi being like, I, I see you trying, I see you struggling, give me the ball. Yeah. <laughs> Just give me the ball, and and I'll finish this. Yeah, and that's awesome. Uh, are you ready to talk about what we just watched in Game One and the yeah. NBA Finals? Oh, I'm so ready. This is gonna be an interesting to- uh, topic because uh, this series, I think, has gotten a lot more interesting after tonight. The Raptors won. Uh, what was the final score? Uh, it was 118 to the Warriors 109, and it didn't feel like the Raptors. Like that was a nine-point game mm-hmm i it felt a lot closer i don't know maybe i've just been traumatized by like clay's like 60 point game <laughs> and game six way back Getting in 11 the day 3s in a game um i don't know like it, it just like it's not like the raptors won yes there's a point of like two and a half minutes left where like the raptors got up by like 12 i would say and like the warriors had like a bad turnover or something and, like, that's really the first moment where you're like, okay, the Raptors are actually winning this game. But, like, every moment of the fourth quarter leading up to that point, you're like, this is a four-point game. This yeah. is a seven-point game. Like, oh, this is two Steph Curry ridiculous threes away from being a tied ball game. Yeah, and the thing about this game, one, that stuck out was, I mean, one, Pascal Siakam was, like, the best player on the floor tonight. Saved Toronto. Where it was spectacular. I mean, great in open court, but also kind of owned Draymond Green tonight. He did. Uh, which is saying something because Draymond has been playing his best basketball, I think. And Draymond went for 10-10, which... it's, it's Most rusty. Draymond line yeah. ever. Yeah, but it didn't feel like an impactful. Whereas Pascal went for 32-8-5 and five, while shooting 14 out of 17 that's from incredible. the field. Like, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> um, and I think the big, big thing for me is that, like, Gasol... While hesitant to shoot sometimes, finally shot. Yeah. Him and Danny Green being able to just give them something is worth everything to Toronto. Just having other guys that will, like, do something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're just such high high IQ basketball guys that, like, there was something in these finals when you're playing. Guys who have been in these type of situations, whether it's Danny Green actually being in finals games or... Marcus all just playing lots of big games in his career. Like, uh, yeah, you, you saw it. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, these guys have played the Warriors in big-time moments, too, so they know what it takes defensively. And I think one of the more impressive things was what the Raptors did tonight. Even though Steph had 30, I think it felt less. Yeah. Like, it just felt like he was keeping them in it. It was just every now and again, Steph would just hit, like, two straight shots, and it would be like, Cut oh. the lead from ten to six. Yeah, and you're like, okay, they're right there. Uh, all all you need is Clay to do something, Steph to just keep doing his thing. Iguodala to hit a shot, and that like that closure moment to like get them back right there like never really happened for the Warriors, but Steph kept them in within like shooting range. Yeah, and what like they? I think Toronto did, uh, Toronto. I didn't say the second T that time. Um, Did a nice job of varying their looks coming off that pick and roll that the Warriors love to get. Like, they would either pick him up at like full half court, it seemed like, and then like Gasol would blitz him and they would kind of double team him and like prevent him from turning the corner. Yeah. Which is like a big deal. And like not like sagging off. For the love of God, thank you for stop sagging off your pick and rolls of Draymond Green. Yeah. Essentially, just make someone else do something. Yeah. Like, get the ball out of Steph's and Draymond's hands. Like, that's kind of the... I mean, it sounds so much... Like, it's said so much easier than done. Yeah. But, like, that's the formula you gotta do to beat the Warriors. Well, just knowing, like, there's only so many places they can kick the ball to. In this case, like, when your kick-out options are Alphonso McKinney or Iggy, Iggy, who... Experienced some calf soreness again at the end of that game it had to be pulled out, or Quinn Cook or Jonas Jerebko. Like you, you got to live with those guys taking the shots and just blitz the the other guys and stay locked on clay. Like it's what you have to do, and for the most part, it worked out. Now, like you saw towards the end of the game, though Steph started to split those double teams. Mark Gasol wasn't as firm on them, and it created some wide open looks. But for the most part, though, I'd say it was a. Successful defensive scheme, which is just like play physical with them, make their life hard. And I think there's going to be an extent as we get later into the series, what Golden State does in his adjustment to re rethink that matchup. Is yeah. like how do you get the matchups you do want, and how do you get Steph open looks? It's going to be interesting. Steve Kerr is a really smart. That coaching staff's really smart. So it's going to be interesting to see how mm-hmm. that gets pulled off. Boogie. Played? Question mark? Uh, I Like eight minutes. Give him three points off from the free throw line. He lo- He looked like an injured player yeah. who was not in great shape and was being thrown out there just because they needed something. Yeah. And that's not necessarily his fault. He looked about as good as I thought he would. But I don't know if Golden State fans should be like, hey, we got Boogie back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I... It's tough because they definitely weren't running any plays for Boogie. No. Like, definitely not. And, like, I, I, you're not trying to get him in a rhythm at this point in the season. I think, like, he took a three and missed it. And and you and I were watching this game together. And we're like, oh, Boogie three? And, you know, he just I think he bricked it off the front of the rim. And it's just – I think I said at the time watching the game, like, you got to let him shoot that. Yeah. One, if you're Golden State just for the sake of rhythm. But two, if you're Toronto – he hasn't shot a basketball in an important game in months. Yeah. Now. Like you just gotta let him shoot that and until he makes it. Just say it. you're basically on, Looney out there. <laughs> yeah. I mean that I, that's the game plan. I think that's do you say I if you're you're hopeful for Golden State he can give you like ten to twelve minutes going forward, but just kind of own that second team yeah. with clay because like I've been tracking uh, like a side thing. I've been like looking at clay's number when he's by himself, like the plus mm. minus and stuff, Been kind of interestingly tracked it. And I think the numbers show a little bit better than what the eye test is. Yeah. Cause it looks bad. Like when clay's out there by himself, if boogie can give you like 10 minutes, like five minutes of those with clay, like every second quarter, whatever it is. Yeah. Like that's a game changer. I'll say if he can come in for 10 or 12 minutes, a little bit of second quarter minutes, maybe a couple third quarter minutes, just that kind of thing, and give you like an efficient eight points and just like make Serge Ibaka like get in foul trouble or something and just force Marcus Gasol to like, nope, you're playing 40 minutes tonight. Yeah. Like that's actually really important. But again, I still don't know if Boulgis even up to that. And again, that may not be his fault. Kind of seems like they're rushing him back after everything he's gone through. I get why, and I'm sure he wants to play, and so he's pushing to get out there, too. But, man, like, it's it's not the boogie we know. Yeah, absolutely. Like, if it was the boogie we know, that this game's probably a little bit different. Oh, it's so much different. Um, but there's a lot of things that could have gone differently in this game uh, to make it uh, a different outcome. Matt, what did you see from this game that the Warriors need to do, move forward to it close out the series is is kevin Durant okay because <laughs> that's what they need i mean i think that's the, if i'm steve kerr is like i i go to the trainer right after this and like he can play game two right do you have any steroids <laughs> he can have i don't care if he's on one leg can we get him out because like if what we're talking about is like okay lock on clay double steph run at draymond all right, there's four defenders, and that leaves Kavon Looney and some other wing out there, Iggy or Sean Livingston or someone like that. Okay, you kind of take that if you're Toronto. Say, someone make a play. Someone yep. else make a play. But if Kevin Durant's that guy in the corner, all of a sudden you can't leave Kevin, you can't leave Clay. you've doubled Steph, and you're running at Draymond. Well, it sounds like Kevon Looney's standing wide open underneath the basket. Yeah. So either Kevin Durant or... Someone else to do their best Kevin Durant impression. <laughs> if, that's, if that's a thing. I would say that's the number one need. Like, they just need another guy out there if Toronto's just going to hard-press Clay and Steph and say, someone else. But do something. I don't, I don't know how feasible that is. Yeah. It doesn't sound like Kevin's really close yet. I mean, it's odd, because you don't see the Golden State Warriors do a lot of pick and roll with Steph and, uh, like, KD. Mm-hmm. Um... You wonder if they would go to that in this series. Or even, like, you don't see a lot of clay-setting picks for stuff. I wonder if that could be a solve for this, almost. Pick and pop. Just a pick and pop and just see how that works. But you're right. Like, Kevin Durant, like, he makes up for nine points. Like, easily. Oh. oh. Even on a bad leg, he, he makes up for... If, if Kawhi can drag the Raptors through Milwaukee on a bum leg, then Kevin Durant could give... Golden State up plus 10 in this game and yep. win the game. Yeah, I was asking that's the number one thing. That'd be really nice. You'd have to, uh, <laughs> best maybe, player in the maybe world. Best player in the world right now. That'd be cool. Um, personal opinion I need more Kavon Looney, Jonas Yurebko minutes instead of Jordan Bell, Demarcus Cousins minutes. Because I don't know why you started Jordan Bell. That was stupid. Why did he outplay 12 finals minutes for you tonight? Yeah, I don't know why Looney didn't get the start. So, between Bell and Cousins, that's 20 game minutes. That's a lot. <laughs> that, that's, like, to me, Kavon Looney needs another 10 of those. Because he was good out there. He's I, been really good in the playoffs. Like, Steve Kerr has been complimenting him, saying, like, he's like a good part of our core here. And then Jonas Sherebko, I mean, he provides the spacing element, like, I, he's obviously not Kevin Durant, but he he acts like he is sometimes. <laughs> he thinks he is. Um, I mean, the dude will unconsciously shoot, and he made a few tonight in Game One. Whereas you know some other guys may not be able to provide that. Like I I love Iguodala, but with a bad leg and just he's not a shooter really anyway. And how much effort he has to put on defense, like he's not hitting that corner three tonight. Maybe he will move him forward. Sean Livingston's not a shooter. Man, Sean Livingston. Like, there used to be a time when you played the Warriors, and he would get, like, six, like, post-ups, turnaround And there's nothing you could do about it. And, like, they were all going in. Yeah. And, like, now, like, he's taking it. It's like, ah, I, I might sag off yeah. of you on that shot exactly. now. Like, even, like, Alphonso McKinney, he had a couple nice plays, but, like, not really there. You can't play Quinn Cook too much with Steph just because of the defensive liability that is. Like, there's only so many guys you can play if you're Golden State without Kevin Durant. I'd love to put a shooter out there and just say, if you're open and Draymond hits you in the corner, take the shot. Yeah. And someone confident would be like, okay, okay. That, that, that is Jonas Jurevko to a T. <laughs> man, he took a, a three tonight. That was like, I think he airballed or missed badly. That was like several steps behind the three-point line. Was man-, man. But then he came right back and hit two more threes. Yeah. I mean, so that's like, the thing. He doesn't care. Good for him. I mean, you gotta shoot your shot. I mean, do what's gonna work, and that's either Kavon Looney, because Kavon Looney's just good at this point, or Space Floor. Yeah, yeah. And when that's, 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 Bell doesn't do that. Boogie Cousins can't do that right now. Yeah, I would give, and even when you're looking at Bell Cousins, I would lean those more minutes towards... I would almost downsize Cousin bennetts tonight and give them more to Bell. Like, I know it's not ideal, yeah. but... That's what you got right now. I mean, at this point, like that's what it looks like out there. At least Jordan Bell can kind of be athletic and bouncy and defend. Boogie can't defend right now. He just can't. Like he can't even defend Marcus Hall out there. Marcus Hall's like a walking tree. Like (laughs) it's (laughs) like he can't do it. And like that's just part of the problem. Like helping on Kawhi was smart. I will say that. Like they made that first half hard for Kawhi. It was like eight points on two for seven shooting. He picked up three fouls. Like, they made Kawhi's life hard tonight. But then leaving Pascal Siakam open on the backside just crushed him tonight. Like, and that's part of that's on your big man, just not being able to rotate. Like Like, that's just part of this. And so I'm not necessarily meaning to blame, like, Bell and Cousins for all this. But on some level, like, that's the game plan. If your coach needs you to kind of be able to play in space between both. The, the role and the weak side guy, I mean, you got to do it better than what they did tonight. Like, Pascal can't go 14 for 17 and then still also beat you in transition the way he did. Right. Like, that just can't happen. Yeah. I mean, they, uh, the crazy thing is, like, uh, I said this at the beginning of the game to you when we were watching. it's like, man, the Raptors are playing with fire here because they were playing so fast. They were. And they were wanting to play fast. If you play fast with the Warriors, that gets into a shootout really quick, and that does not equal wins. Yeah. Like, Toronto's defense looked up to the part tonight, though. They, I, mean, I keep saying it, but their rotations have just been—and a lot of it's Pascal just— running as hard as he can to where the ball is because there was i think one time tonight where there should have been like a kevin looney jordan bell like easy layup and like he came out of nowhere and just swatted the crap out of it and that's what he does like he he made a huge impact in the game he did not look like how he did um during large portions of the eastern conference finals he just looked confident and the it looks like nick nurse just told him Run as fast as you can everywhere you go. Yeah. And he did it, and it worked. And Golden State just had no answer for that. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, Draymond Green, Draymond Green tonight. I kept saying that, but like, he was uh, the best player on the floor. Like, it's, that's the only way to yeah. put it. He was. He was just the most active person out there. And that's worth something in the NBA Finals. On the flip side of this, what does Toronto need to do to? Get three more wins. They're three wins away from being NBA champions. That's nuts. So first of all, you had to hope for more Al Kyle Lowry. He had another bad game. Like, yep. he had a, a typical Kyle Lowry <laughs> game. And, like, that's unfortunate knowing, like, how well he ended the Eastern Conference Finals because you kind of hope the momentum stayed with him a little bit more. But tonight, like, he went uh, one for seven from the field. I think, hold on, let me have this. nope, two for nine. Sorry. 2 for 9, he bumped it up a little. Um, 1 for 5 from 3. 6 rebounds, 9 assists, 7 points. Like, eh. Oh. His, his plus-minus is plus 11. It's because he's playing most of his minutes with Kawhi and Siakam. So, easy to have a plus-minus in the good direction whenever you're playing with the two best players on the court, it felt like. And he got benched in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it was a lot of Fred Van Fleet minutes. He, Fred Van Fleet played 33 minutes today. That's a lot. That me. is. I mean, they really shortened up their rotation tonight, which I enjoyed seeing. And Fred Van Fleet was hitting shots on some people. Yeah. Like, that's what they needed more than anything in stretches just to keep Golden State at arm's length. Good for Nick Nurse for kind of just, like, rolling with who's hot. Like, so many coaches will just, like, stick with their rotations or not, not play guys who are hot. It drives me up the wall sometimes. It's like, yeah. this is the finals. It's working. And right there at the end, they brought Kyle Lowry back in just for some veteran savvy, control the ball, control the end of this game. But for, like you said, pretty much the first half of that fourth quarter, it was all Fred VanVleet because they just needed buckets. And Kyle Lowry just wasn't giving that to him tonight. And if they want to win the series, like, they need Kyle Lowry. They don't need him going for 30, but they need him going for 18 to 20 and dishing out six or seven assists four or five rebounds being consistent yeah just knowing where you're supposed to be confidently taking your shots trying to drive to the basket to, to force the issue because you can work on these golden state bigs a bit you can i mean you can work on stuff curry a bit yeah like he fa- he f- has some really bad tendencies when it comes to fouls so whether it's a one five pick and roll with him and gasol or whatever it needs to be to get kyle lowry more in rhythm they need more of that yep also, I know Toronto isn't really a huge pick-and-roll team. I know that. But to me, like, you got to get Kawhi in more mismatches. Pick-and-roll is an easy way of doing that, whether he's the screener or whether he's the ball handler. I don't care. I'd love to see a little <laughs> bit of both, actually. But you got to get him in more mismatches. Like, you got to get Draymond Green and Andre Iguodala off of him more often. Because they, like, they're those are great defenders. And like I said, they made Kawhi's left... Kawhi's life tough in the first half. Like, you got to do something to help get Steph Curry on him every now and again. To get Kavon Looney on him every now and again. Because when you did, that's when he started warming up in the second half. But in that first half, when it's Clay and Draymond and Iggy, it's not that he had no shot, but, man, just one after another after another. He looked tired. Yeah. Like, having to deal with them. It was odd because, like, there was one sequence there, I think, in the second half where... They ran some pick and rolls, did some action, and it like Clay got switched on to him. It was like Is that the matchup you no. really really wanna attack right now? Like you I mean, maybe if- it's the better of the different possibilities of uh, between the three guys we just mentioned. But no, that's not what you want either. I mean they went Steph hunting on the big guys, why not do it with Kawhi? Kawhi, exactly. And maybe just those elite defenders just were saying, like, I don't care, we're not switching this. Like, I'm going to fight through this somehow. And, you know, that can happen too. But you're right. Like, we saw Marcus all get Steph Curry in the post, like, a few times and then throw it to him. And either he'd make a pass or he'd go just over top of him. I, would, I would want to see more of that for Kawhi. Let's try and make his life a little easier if you're Toronto. Because, like, you know, like, you can't get too many more games where Pascal's going to be better than Kawhi and you're going to win the game. Yeah. Like, that's just not, not going to be a thing moving forward. You got you one. It ain't going to get you three more. Yeah. I mean, there's always the Golden State barrage of Steph and Clay just going off. And that's going to come yeah. at some point. And that gets to the next point is Toronto. This isn't a quiet thing as much as everyone else saying. Don't be afraid to shoot good shots. Because you almost let Golden State back into this game and win this game. Like, you were, you were playing with fire, like you mentioned, Ryan. Like... Moving forward, you gotta if Danny Green, if you're wide open in the corner, you have to take the shot. You just have to. Marcus all, if you fake the the pass to the top of the key and you're just wide open on the wing, you have to take that shot. If I see Marc Gasol just stand there with the ball for like five seconds and like <laughs> no one's open. And then he like looks around and is like, Oh yeah, Draymond's like still on the other I'm half open. of the floor. <laughs> I'm gonna throw my controller through my TV. It's, it's ridiculous Like That happened like three or four times tonight And I think he missed one or two But he made the others Like That's what you need to do You gotta prove like you belong in that court with them Yeah, I mean shoot the freaking ball Like I, I know like Possessions are precious, I get it But like <laughs> If you can hit the shot And you are wide open And like your coach is yelling at you to take the shot Take the shot I mean, like, he he did that even when it, there was, like, a mid-range open for him. Yeah. Like, I know that's, like, analytics, whatever. N- not the best shot. Not most bang for your buck. However, this is, going. like I said, possessions are precious. Any form of points in the NBA Finals is a plus. You cannot beat Golden State if you score less than them. <laughs> <laughs> so, score. <laughs> you lose 100% of the time when you don't score as much as the other team. Man, what a wild analytic thing. I know. It's crazy. It's like 100% of people die. I bet you didn't think about that. Welcome to Morbid NBA podcast. <laughs> anyway, I mean, like, you're absolutely right. You nailed that on the head. It's like, just shoot the ball, for the love of God. Kyle Lowry, uh, don't, like, pass up a wide-open three. Yeah. If you're there, you're wide open, confidently shoot it. self so red and fleet do it. It got him out of his slump eventually. It did. He's, like, hitting everything he touches now, which is kind of scary. It's ridiculous but i like it i have yeah. like confidence yeah absolutely and also like side note if toronto ends up winning three more games they need to send a ring to demar Derozan. <laughs> <laughs> like if you're <laughs> handing one out to drake which i'm sure they would you gotta send one to demar will Jakob perdo also get one no no <laughs> <laughs> just just checking here that's a that's a line It's not handing out, like, uh, uh, everybody wins. What is that? Participation trophies. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Participation trophies. That dude suffered quite a bit. (laughs) He deserves it. Does Dwayne Casey get one, too? (laughs) Uh, No. That's hard, no. I don't know. Maybe he does. He should get a spot on the parade. Yeah. He should be the Raptor. (laughs) How about that? That's fine. Uh, So, even though there is one series, one game, one, I don't know, one series left in this whole shebang, it's crazy to say. That's our game of the week is the finals, of course. But we're going to be looking at game three. That's uh, when the series flips back to Oakland and Oracle Arena. It's on Wednesday, June 5th. How about that? We're in June. Yikes. At 8 p.m. ABC. ABC is a fantastic... Does a fantastic job Wonderful. with these. Just fantastic, yeah. So good. Um, Matt, what's your prediction? So I got the Warriors. They go home to Oracle. That crowd's going to be obnoxious. Yes. So I'm going Warriors 114 to the Raptors 107. Similar to tonight's score and did we say our predictions for this series uh we may not have we may have skipped over it all right let's uh do that right now now that we're gonna give so i have game three going to the warriors i get the series overall going to the warriors in six clinching it at home in oracle yeah i think uh kd comes back in one of these games games two or three uh even though i think steve kerr is gonna say yeah you're in kid get in there yeah uh, I got the Warriors also winning game three, 103 to the Raptors 97. Although I feel like my score after watching tight is way under. I'm gonna keep it at the lower. I mean, these teams on some level like they're good defensive teams. They're really and good. It matters to both of these teams to be good at defense. Yeah, the 118 might be a sore thumb in this series. Who knows? Who knows? But I got the Warriors winning in five. Mm, that's bold. Never w- seen game one. I know. I, I <laughs> you would typed that before that game though. I just, I'm gonna stick with it. It's an oh, it's totally plausible still. Uh, yeah, they gotta win the next four. So if they, uh, I don't know. My predictions have been real bad though since the Eastern Conference Finals. Toronto <laughs> uh, can reel off four straight to get here. Then I guess Golden State can reel off four straight to to make you right. Yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of doubt it at this point, but I'm gonna stick with it. I'm rolling with it, man. Uh, Matt, do you want to add anything before we end episode thirty? Thirty episodes. So weird thing. Since it's June, that means the draft is coming up. So, Ooh. so I'm putting in a lot of unnecessary work hours into <laughs> some NBA draft uh, uh, big boards mock drafts. So, although we're we're gonna stay focus on the finals because that's the most important thing. That draft is gonna be coming up soon. So just just keep an eye out for it. I'm excited. I've I've been keeping an eye on your Excel spreadsheets. So my, yeah, that's I right, multiple. <laughs> uh, and it's interesting just scrolling through there. I'm excited to do a draft podcast. I'll say June 20th is the draft. That, that is coming really, up really really quick. This is all my uh, just side note before we get out of here. My wife asked me what do you What are you gonna do when the season's over? And I said it's a full full season when thing. When the season's over, it's a it's whoosh. a year round thing. You don't know the NBA is a full year thing, and that's my that's why it's my favorite favorite league. It's the best one for sure. Anyways, remember to follow us on Twitter at NBA Couch uh, You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher if you haven't already. Remember to give us a review. We would greatly appreciate it. Um, yeah. 30 episodes, Matt. What a world we live in. Crazy. We'll see you guys back sometime probably next week. I don't know. We might do another finals episode. Who knows? See you guys then.